There are so many types of trips. There are trips you take that are solely for adventure. You take them to try something new and to get lost in exploration. There are trips you take for clarity and you take them as really a much needed break, a pause to oppose the chaotic reality you exist in. There are trips you take to have a great time, um, a bachelorette party, a birthday trip, a trip to Disney. But there's trips that are undefinable because you go with one intention and you leave as a different person. These kinds of trips move you, change your purpose and your perspective. And that was my trip to Malawi. A few months before my trip, I got on a call with my trip coordinator with such excitement. I remember smiling as we finished our conversation saying, I have been longing for a chance to go back home and teach the skills that I have learned here. I can't wait to be a catalyst to change even in the smallest way. I've always loved the idea of using my skills to serve and to spread love, but also experience a new country, a new culture, and eventually get a new perspective. I was so excited. I was ready for the impact I was going to have in Malawi, but I did not impact Malawi. Malawi impacted me. The very dark clouds threatened as they rested thickly in the air. I was walking to my new friend's house, Maya, to have dinner with her. I walked down towards the market as the clouds thundered threatening a downpour, wondering if it was a good idea to not bring an umbrella with me. You would think, me knowing that this was the rainy season, I would have learnt by now to bring my umbrella everywhere I went. We sat down and ate some sima and beans as Maya told me about her life as a high school teacher in Nkoma. And as soon as we got nice and comfortable, the rain started pouring in the background. I'll tell you a little bit about Maya. She is the most beautiful person both inside and out. She's confident and radiates boldness in truth in everything she believes and stands for. Maya walks in a room and commands it. She's most importantly someone I'm so grateful Malawi brought into my life. As we continued to eat the delicious meal she had prepared, Maya looked at me and asked, What is the one thing you will always remember about Nkoma? She asked with an authority as she always does, her voice stunned and curious. I paused. I didn't have the right response to this. I could write a book about this trip, Maya. Malawi has been a journey, a path that I didn't know I needed to take, but I'm so glad I did. I'm not sure there's one particular moment I would say meant the most, but the small things, the steps I took to my room in Mbawa Lodge, the very friendly man by the hospital gate, the picture-worthy memories, the tiny moments, unseeming of impact combined and build a narrative I still can't describe. I slid my very heavy carry-on on the overhead bin and deeply exhaled as I sat. I was on the flight from JKIA to Lilongwe, thrilled that I wasn't sitting next to anyone, so I didn't have to worry about making small talk or avoiding it all together and pretending to be asleep. A tall, handsome flight attendant walked up at the aisle, stopping on every aisle to check if anyone needed drinks. What would you like to drink? He asked. I'm actually okay. Thank you, though. I responded, knowing very well I had just inhaled all the sausages and coffee at Java. He gave a gentle smile and walked away. I flipped the pages and continued to read on the fictional novel I was enjoying at the time, shifting my eyes every so often to look outside and linger at the beauty that is God's magnificent work. As we started to descend to the long way, I quickly sat up. I was entering into a new sight of the motherland, the sight of the vast hills and the greenery granting a picturesque look. 
I desperately wanted to shout at obviously no one and say, do y'all see how gorgeous it is outside? I'm so nervous about going to a new country by myself for an extended period of time. It's one thing to take a trip with someone, but it's another to go to a new country by yourself. What if someone kidnaps me? What if I don't make any friends and I have to have solo conversations all the time? Should I drop a pin to my sister every day just in case? Oh snap, I don't have service. As I was thinking about the rescue plan, just in case I needed to call for help, I shuffled my way through arrivals and picked up my suitcases at baggage claim. I went out to try and look for the driver and for a second I shifted into paranoia and I started to wonder, what if he decides to toss me in some river and leave me to die? What if he ends up taking me to some dark house and no one ever gets to find me because I'm in freaking Malawi? The brain in fear can be unfocused, so I was looking for all the wrong things and danger signs. There was no reason to be terrified, but a girl's gotta stay alert. The driver, a sweet man I guessed in his 40s, greeted me with enthusiasm. Welcome to Malawi, he said. I presume you're exhausted from your flight. He continued to talk as he helped me put my bazillion bags in the car and offered me some water. I'm actually okay. I flew here from Tanzania, so the flight wasn't so bad. He smiled. Oh, I'm glad. Is this your first time in Malawi? He asked, with such familiarity and kindness in his voice. Yes, I responded. And as we drove out of the airport, he proudly talked about his country. He highlighted everything with so much pride. The progress of the nation, the nature of planting season, and as I listened to him proudly describe a country I had spent all of 10 minutes in, I looked outside and felt a sudden relief to all my thoughts. There was a sudden reassurance to my paranoia. The sight of this motherland was a salve to my troubled mind. The hills rolled like a welcoming duvet of green, and in them lay the sleeping bones of our ancestors. I could almost hear them calling me in their sweet slumber, back to a land where I would eventually belong. I was cradled by the path, the gorgeous hills and valleys as we approached my new home, Nkoma. This is the place I would serve wholeheartedly, a place where I would let myself rest, mind, body and soul. I had been led to a motherland that would heal wounds I didn't even know existed. The third day after I had arrived at this beautiful country, I woke up in a haze. You know when you wake up in a new place and you instantly bolt wondering where you are? That was how I woke up. I instantly shot up and I looked around, finally taking a deep exhale as I remembered where I was. I slowly crept out of the mosquito net and started to prepare for the day. Two of the lovely volunteer friends at the school had invited me to go to a local church with them. I was generally excited to be part of this. We walked for a while and soon found out that the church was cynically located in the middle of a hill. It was a brick building with open windows sitting on a hill. Loud music was playing and you could hear it all the way from the bottom of the hill. Around the church were small gorgeous hills, the greenery showing up in true Malawian style. I was sweating because in true conservative manner, I was wearing a black dress, black stockings, and then my friend suggested I should add on a kitenge, which is a wrap most Malawian women wear. So I was bundled up on this day, and I'm convinced the sun had its own agenda. To say I was overheated is an understatement. We got into the church, and not only was the sound magnified, but also there was life. Everyone was involved in rigorous dancing and singing. The children in the choir danced and shifted around with joy. The women danced and jumped around with a sense of pride in both tradition, the instruments and who they were singing to. The men shifted gently but sang with great dramatic facial expressions, matching the depth of their altar and bass tones. As the service continued, the children sat on the ground and fidgeted as they blankly stared 
into space, and their parents scolded them when they caused any commotion. The older members of the congregation found themselves with their scarves as the heat permeated the air. They sipped on water bottles as they chanted, Amen, to the preacher in front of us. It was very evident how in this community, everything would feel tangible. The joy in the singing, the vigor in the dancing, the vibration in every single part of the room as they clapped, the vibrancy of color in every single kitenga the women wore. There was life here, and not just the basic exchange of oxygen and carbon dioxide, but life with energy and intention poured into existing as a Malawian. It also became very evident that this was a love story that I didn't know I needed in my life. Every week revealed to me a new chapter. A new sentence with more meaning than the previous. This page and this day, I realized the importance of joy. The importance of pouring my energy consciously into everything I touch. It was obvious that you can't receive joy, but you have to earn it by shifting your perspective to embrace it. I very quickly got into a routine in coma. Every day at around 5.30, the monkeys would wake me up, not because we were friends, but because they would forcefully make a thud on the roof of my room, just like a beat drop, followed by rhythmic bad chirping. It took me a while to get used to loud thuds as an alarm. The early morning brought a musical stillness, a stillness in the gentle wind blow, the soul feeling the peace that the body couldn't touch. There was a silence that this place brought, and not just in the morning, but throughout the whole day. This was mandatory meditation. I felt everything, had everything, smelt everything. My cup of coffee in the morning was my ghost bell. And folded the bag of satemo beans, the smell divine would waft as the steam blew towards me, reminding me of the warm goodness in my mug. The first sip was a delight, making me grateful to whoever invented the French press. Somehow... Even in the midst of me doing something like making coffee or French toast or preparing something, there was interludes of silence. At first, it was strange and awkward to just stand there and I would quickly turn to a playlist or play Candy Crush. But eventually, the silence became a part of my routine. Silence brought about clarity in every way. I realized that silence is not empty but full of answers. I journaled more than I ever have in this space. I learned to capture images and not just with my camera, but with my eyes. The photographic memories are still clearer than the physical copies that I have printed in my album. I then fell in love a little more with this place. I fell in love with my mind and the beauty of mind emptiness. To feel and reconnect every part, the thoughts, the ideas, the feelings, I absorbed this place with a different perspective, without filters, without any bias, and eventually everything sparked an emotion for me. It taught me a new way of seeing the beauty of the world and that I'm a part of that beauty too. We can't get a clear idea of what we are feeling if we don't pause. This page made me fall in love with my mind, taking a step back and learning what my mind needs, always. I said this over and over again to Aggie as she hysterically laughed and said, One boy, no, it's not. That's not how you say it. It's afternoon, so it's Masura Buanji Dasura Buino. I met Aggie as I was walking around the hospital for the first time, flustered. She looked at me and probably wondered, who is this klutz? But ever so kindly, she asked, Are you new here or are you looking for something? Still in confusion and looking around as I tried to look for the head nurse's office, I said, Yeah, I'm looking for Mr. Mekani's office. She politely said, He's probably not here yet, but you should come to my unit and stay with us while we wait for him to come in. Aggie became a big part of my stay in coma, 
and a lot of nurses there did. We worked together every single day after that. I admired so many things about her. She was flawless in how she ran the unit with ease, in how she comforted the little kids as we changed the extensive dressings from burns and injuries, how she walked in a room, addressed every single person in that room, not as a crowd, but individually. She made every single person feel recognized and appreciated in a special way. When she smiled and laughed, I would smile too. She was not just my supervisor, but also my friend. I helped care for a wide range of patients, young, old, men, women, infants. The contrast of the joy they embodied and the devastation that surrounded their hospital stay was something I couldn't understand. You see poverty in a different light, hunger in its extremity. There is more lack than there is available. The poverty-stricken world had majority of the patients a slave. Circumstances and lack of resources had caused and still cause a lot of pain and loss. The young women had faces of innocence but they had eyes of experience. They had seen it all, struggled through a lot, and it brought me pure sadness just looking into their eyes. But then I had them sing with so much joy and expectance, so much peace in a promise that was untold to everyone else but them. Then I saw them dance at the church with pure intentionality and faith. Then I saw them share the little they had with invisible ties of kindred. I saw this community in a different light. Even when sick, even at the complete bottom, there was a sense of belonging and overwhelming peace. I also saw patience in these nurses, compassion in their care. There was no dispute in how they showed up for these patients. Not everything was flawless. They didn't have resources. Sometimes it was just chaos. This chapter taught me a new epitome of kindness. Kindness is that of what we are made of and yet have no part of it when it comes to whichever event. I genuinely could write a book about what this trip meant to me. Nkoma was a small town, but this town had a grandeur in how it impacts you. It brought about chapters I knew existed, but with different vibrations. These good vibrations calmed my inner storm to a soothing breeze. It took what was jangled within and made a song in my heart with the softest tune, the kindest rhythm, and a melody I will get to dance to for the rest of my life. Malawi, Zikomo, Zikomo Kwambiri.